Hey, Upper Feasters, I hope you're having a great week so far. This week I talk with Damon Burney. He's the Director of Operations at Northstar, and I still work with him at 3rd in Hollywood, and he's awesome. He is a hospitality expert. He's tough but fair, has a sense of humor, and he has a real passion for food and service. I asked him how Northstar has such a strong brand, whether it be at Brassica, 3rd in Hollywood, or the cafes. It was really funny. I asked him if he's chill at other restaurants because he demands such a high level for the restaurants that he works at. And his answer was great. So you got to listen to that. A server forgot his dippy dippy. Oh my God, his aioli. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. He said pizza and root beer is one of his all-time favorite snacks like since he was a kid. I think that's an interesting combo. I've never really done root beer. I always just do Coke or water. We talk about corkage fees, putting meal in water, ordering water and stealing soda, and much, much more. Anytime I talk to a foodie here in Columbus, your guys' brand is so strong. Like whether it be Brassica, North Star, 3rd in Hollywood, how do you have such a consistent brand of like everywhere you go, the people are very nice. They're usually unique and cool. Like, how do you, how do you make that happen? You know, I think it's, it's really who we choose to partner with or who, who we choose to bring on the team. And, and that's, you know, on the, for culinary teams and service teams and, and for our managers as well. It's just making, you know, starting with deciding what do we want, you know, what's, what's important to us when we choose a person for the service team or we choose a person for the culinary team and being clear about those expectations to ourselves so that as we're making these decisions that we regularly choose people who are a great fit. To me, that's it, right? Because I can train people to do a lot of things and, and teach people a lot, but if they don't have a genuine desire to take care of people, and if they're not optimistic, upbeat people, right? I, can, you know, there's, I, can't, make, I can't make somebody that way, right? You, you, you are who you are, right? You spoke to Lauren. Lauren is just a fun, funny, really hardworking, awesome person to be around. And, and that comes across to guests. And so I think a lot of it is just who we choose to hire. You know, and some of it, I mean, I think a big part of it is how we treat people, something I alluded to before. And then, you know, and you, you, you work there, right? We're pretty good at setting really clear expectations for what success is going to look like for each position and each person. And then, you know, we, we expect it and, and uh, hold people accountable to those things. But I think we do it in a way that's not overbearing, yeah. right? And, and we try to celebrate success. It's, you know, it's hard in our business because there are so many little details we're trying to pay attention to all the time. Right. It's, it's hard sometimes to stop yourself and think, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. And I really need to point this out to you know, people and especially the people who are, like I said before, doing the most important work. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's largely just, you know, who's on our team and the job they're doing. I think you nailed it with the communication aspect, because when I worked at Third in Hollywood, you folks demand excellence, like literally down to rolling up silverware, like everything has to be perfect, but you're very open and honest about it. And I feel like all the team leads and all the management, they led by example, which I, I think in the restaurant biz is rare. So you guys got a lot of special employees, but I want to ask you, because uh, when I moved to New York, I, I worked in Times Square and it's a whole different animal. So I, my sales on a, on a Saturday night would usually be four to $6,000 for one shift. Like it's crazy busy. So we cut corners a lot. So that's why I'm not going to name names, but do you, do you believe in your model so much that you could extrapolate that to such a busy restaurant or does it kind of fall apart at that level? I think it absolutely works. And, and third, right. If you think about it, you you know, it's a, it's a, when you were working there, I don't think we had, did we have the vintage room? I can't remember. It just, it just, you just started right before I left. Got it. Got it. And so, you know, before the vintage room, without the patio, that's a 21 table restaurant. And then on the patio, we have an additional 
nine dining tables. So it's not that big, but, you know, in terms of just volume for that number of tables, you know, you remember the busiest nights are still pretty busy. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times what happens is if you're not really fundamentally sound, if, and if you haven't decided we're going to use this service model, we're going to, uh, you know, follow these priorities, we're going to work this way. And if you haven't made the decision to do that and then to do it, if it's a, you know, not terribly busy Monday or a crazy busy Saturday, that when it gets busy, I think a lot of times people sort of revert to this survivalist mindset, which is probably what you dealt with a lot there, where it's like everybody had their hair on fire. Right, of course. <laughs> it felt like it was going to go sideways at any second, right? Yeah, dude, um, like being triple sat was just regular. Like I just stopped complaining eventually because it's like, oh, this is my life now. I get you know, three, eight tops. And so to be totally honest with you, I, I would, I would skip water service, which technically is a fireable offense, but we were so busy. No one ever got caught. Right. I would just bring tap water instead of try to upsell. And then the one benefit of being insanely busy, and I'm sure this will make you cringe because you're such a good, like hospitality guy, customer service sometimes didn't matter. I could be a little snarky server sometimes. And we were so busy that it didn't matter. <laughs> well, but you also like your, your, your uh, demeanor and your style and, and you're just sort of comedic gifts. I think you can get away with that. And then, you know, smile that uh, kid next door smile and people like don't realize what just happened yeah. or they just think it's so funny. They're like, Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm sure you could, you know, and it's like teaching people to expedite. A lot of times when, when I'm talking to newer managers about how to expedite, I tell them if you're, doing the right things and learning to do the right things at a $1,200 hour, then you can do it at a $1,500 hour and then a $2,000 hour, but you've got to start with those fundamentals. And then as the, you know, things ramp up, stick to them, even though some party is going to feel like I can't, I can't. And that's the beauty of the teamwork system at the cafes. And at third is it gives you the opportunity to use your teammates to create extra time for yourself or to relieve your burden at any given moment if you get double sat. The triple seating at third is pretty rare, but the double seating happens. I'm sure you're like, yeah, the triple seating happened, dude. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, <laughs> very rarely. Yeah. Do you feel like you have good like manager radar, meaning like, can you predict when an employee will be good or bad? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I think with probably with some accuracy, I, you know, I think it starts with, you know, when we interview people, we use these behavioral-based interview questions and we're probably using them back when I interviewed you. And, and essentially, we're, what we're trying to do is predict or, or learn about recurring patterns of behavior, right? Because if somebody will regularly go above and beyond for a table or for a group of guests, and I ask them about a time when they did that, they should be able to top of their head tell me, right? Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be, well, what I would do is because, you know, in an interview, right? It's, you know, it's like a first date. We're all putting our best foot forward and right. representing ourselves as best we can. And so what we try to try to learn about people is not what would you do, but what have you done? And if you're working in a service position, you know, you should be able to provide easy examples time after time after time, right off the top of your head about things you've done that are really in line with our values and our expectations. So I would say, I would say that, uh, and then the preview process helps us too, right? And you remember somebody comes in and works a realistic job preview as the last part of their interview process, mm -hmm. they're around the people who are doing the work. And you guys would regularly, right? If I walked up to somebody and I said, hey, what did you think about this person? It was like, they're not a good fit because of these things that they were more comfortable saying in your presence or things that you saw that we might not see. I think it's more of a team effort than understanding if somebody's going to be a good fit than it is, uh, you know, just up to me or up to our managers. 
Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe, tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. Gotcha. And so Damon, being that you do have such a high level of, you know, integrity and values and stuff with the North Star company, is it challenging for you to be a customer dining out? Like, is it hard for you to be wowed and impressed? Yeah. (laughs) i love that honesty thank you everyone always tries to be like oh no everything's perfect and fine like no 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 that honesty no 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 because part so so and 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 part of the reason is what i've learned and and you know the the last company i've worked for the the standards are incredibly high and uh you know we have there are four people including kevin and i who currently work for the company that work for them and we're still big fans and what I learned working for that company and what Northstar you know, also embodies is, you know, the expectations and the things that you need to do to make sure a guest has a fantastic experience are challenging, sometimes really difficult, depending on the, you know, the volume or the circumstances of the day. But they're not that hard if you decide, I want to be great today. We can be great today. We can do something really fantastic. And I think knowing that and working in restaurants or doing really high volume but are also super serious about all of these small details that really lead to fantastic guest experiences, both service and, and the, the, the food that they eat, makes me realize we can do it and other places can do it if they choose to. So I don't like, you know, if I'm going out to spend my own hard-earned money, I don't pretend that it's okay when I ask a server for something and because they're spread so thin, you know, we had a dining experience recently, Danielle and I, where we asked we, the first dish we had, now this really delicious aioli and my, and my me, we were both eating these potatoes like this is really delicious and, and Danielle's like hey can we have another side of the aioli and the server brought it out like 40 minutes later Ooh. after we asked another person wow. right and so like those sorts of things you know again from the beginning are just doing the right thing in terms of how you train people how you teach them how you support them and what you see when your business is running you know how active you are as a manager and just walking around looking at guest faces noticing how their experience is going, taking that table snapshot that tells you what's going on at the table mm-hmm. and then paying attention to the food details, the things that are coming out of the kitchen, you can, you know, you can really produce something fantastic and, and the consistency that you can get over time if you're doing all of those things well is I think what brings people back to third, to North Star and Brassica, because they know it's like if I eat at the Brassica and Bexley, which Danielle and I did last week after I had lunch at the Brassica in Upper Arlington uh-huh. with, uh, with a coworker, that it's fantastic and it's, you know, consistent from place to place. Yeah, absolutely. So was the server at least apologetic about the aioli or were they kind of just like blase? <laughs> uh, no, I think, I, yeah, I think, I think they were apologetic. I think they were apologetic if I remember there it's, but it is hard, man. There's, you know, there's so many details that I try to pay attention to professionally. And when I go into a place as a guest, I can't turn that stuff off and I notice it. And, uh, I can get frustrated sometimes, but I, but the good thing is my wife's understanding about it because, you know, she's so used to it by now. Like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> little yin and <laughs> balance. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. One time at a restaurant, um, the server was in the weeds. They were very busy. And my date and I, uh, our drinks were up at the bar and I saw that and they were just sitting there dying. And I was like, would you be embarrassed if I go grab those drinks? <laughs> Like, no, they're ours. Yep. So I just, I went and ran my own drinks and then the server was real apologetic and brought me some shots and they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm new and stuff. So like, I think as long as the person communicates with me, I'm super chill about pretty much anything. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, that's the thing. It's not like, it's not like I'm going to go into a restaurant and have us like in that experience, the service was pretty rough, 
But I'm looking around, I'm like, well, it's rough because they've given this server too many tables. Yeah. Manager is nowhere to be found. You know, at one point, at one point, the manager walked up to our table just to do a table touch. And we are, we, you know, we're, we're at a two top and it was, com a, the table is a complete disaster. And he, no pre-bussing? That's not nothing, spec. <laughs> nothing. And he didn't, like, he didn't notice it. So it's like, I'm not going to be mad at the server. I mean, she right. was, she was moving fast and working hard. I think she was just not set up for success. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned like just noticing stuff. That's something where I'll, you know, I'm sitting with uh, my wife and I'm like, oh, our food's right. It's in the window. Like it's yeah. sitting there. That's it, Danielle. They got to run it. They got to run it. It's dying. <laughs> she's like, you're such a maniac. <laughs> you are. And I love it. Let it go, dude. Let it go. <laughs> no, for sure. I get it. And so when you're dining out yourself and you're the customer, if you could power rank service, company, like the people that you're with, not the company itself, and food taste, how would you power rank those? Oh, you're saying which which is most important? Yeah, so like one, two, and three, like if if it's amazing service, can the, the food suck? And if it's the best company ever, like you and your wife and your best friends, can the food be mediocre, et cetera? Like how would you rank service, company, and food taste? Oh, that's interesting. I, I think this sort of conventional wisdom has been around a long time that a great service experience can make up for food that's not that good. And I, you know, I think that's, you know, I get that, right? Because if you connect with the person that's taking care of you in a meaningful way, and you feel like you've actually built a relationship and really enjoyed the interaction, there's something very fulfilling about that. But for me, man, it's the food. I mean, I, you know, and, and I pay attention to service details and you know me, I'm a big hospitality guy and I love personally taking care of people. You know, I'd probably go with company first because, uh, and, and Danielle and I don't, you know, we haven't made a ton of friends here just being busy and, and you know, going out with uh, our kids, but like a dinner with them out at third and Hollywood or, or you know, out of, out at a favorite restaurant and the conversation and the interaction is fantastic. So I'd, I'd probably rate that first and then I would go food next and then service third, even though I, mean, I was going to say service last, but I can't say last, right? It's just, I would say ser service third because that's a, it's a difficult thing to rank, but you know, those food experiences that we really remember mm -hmm. and you know, those bites of those bites and the tastes that, that to me is so magical. And, you know, I, one of the things I think about is, you know, at third, we've got, uh, do, were we doing the braised short rib when you were there? Yep. Super delicious. Right? And so I can remember, I don't know if you remember where table 23 is, but I can very specifically remember this experience. And this was a, a few years ago, but it happens all the time where a couple sits down. The woman, I think, had like a grilled fish. The man had uh, the short rib. And he took a bite of it and was like, oh my God, that's so good. I, but I was behind him. And so he gave her a bite as I'm walking this way, looking at her like I'm looking at you. And she took a bite and she was, she literally did this. She went. <laughs> and as I walked by and I was like, man, that is like it, right? That's everything. That's why we do this. And you see somebody have that sort of experience with food, because for me, I can remember the first time I had an amazing short rib you know, at a restaurant uh, I worked at in LA and at another restaurant recommended by a guy who worked for that company. I can still remember it like it was yesterday. And so that's why for me, I think the food tops my list. Well, it's second behind hanging out with my family, basically. Man, I love that. And so could you give me an example of like one of your earliest dining memories that, that really blew you away, maybe inspired you or just was like super delicious? Oh, interesting. You know, it, with, my, with my family, we didn't, you know, didn't go out a lot, didn't have a lot of money. But um, one of the things that 
we would do for us, if we went out, it was typically either Friday, once a month or so, we would go out for pizza. Nice. And as I was telling somebody yesterday at one of the restaurants, um, pepperoni pizza and root beer uh, as a combination are still incredibly high on my list of things that I just absolutely adore. And so that's, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eating at this uh, Thai place, and I won't remember the name in LA, on a, on a regular basis. And it's like, I, I can't remember, it'd be hard to remember the dishes, but um, I would say that's another one of them. And then, you know, the first time I started eating out as an adult, there was a place in LA in Studio City that I went to that did this ravioli dish with a, uh, with a cream sauce, homemade ravioli that was amazing. And then one of the most um, meaningful eating experiences I ever had uh, was at another, another place in, um, in Studio City and gosh, this would have been probably close to 20 years ago. And so I, I might be able to remember the name. But there was a, a father and son. Peter was the son, ran the front of the house, GM. Dad, like six-year-old Italian guy, and plate of Pappardelle. He made by, you know, by hand from scratch. Nice. And it was like, it's still to this day, it's the reason I make homemade pasta at home. I'm making Pappardelle for my family tomorrow because I've basically been chasing and trying to make pasta that is anywhere you know in the ballpark of what he created that day it was so beautiful and light and delicate and and so incredible that I still um oh it's yeah the place was called Il Tiramisu I still think about it I still remember it and you know like I said going on going on two decades (laughs) yeah that's mind-blowing so fresh pasta is definitely worth it and I've never made it myself but I love it and you mentioned pizza is one of your favorite memories I have to ask you a polarizing question here pizza dipped in ranch Feast or pass? How many beers have I had? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a good answer. Because ranch is so polarizing. People either love it or hate it, especially when it comes to pizza. It's very like a hot button issue. Let's say three beers and they're heavy. They're IPAs. Yeah, three three beers. I'm probably feasting. (laughs) And I'm not like, it's funny. I'm I'm very much a a, a food lover and into, you know, making things from scratch, you know, but if I'm, you know, if I'm eating buffalo wings, dude, I'm dipping them in ranch. I mean, you know, ranch and buffalo wings is friggin' delicious, right? Of course. You know, totally delicious. You seem like you probably eat relatively healthy, but do you, do you have a favorite junk food? If you're trying to have like the munchies and just, you know, be quote unquote bad, like what do you go for? The traditional Lay's potato chip. I had, I had a, a couple of small bowls last night and I do it in small bowls because, you know, like if you bring the bag, it's like, it's game over. You know, they've done they've done something with that chip that's unholy and probably illegal that you just can't stop yourself. And so, like, I'll do a do a pretty small bowl and have a couple of those, and uh, that's probably that's one of my favorites in terms of like a um, like a decadent sweet Buckeye Crunch. Have you ever had that? Uh huh. So it is caramel corn that's dipped in peanut butter and uh, drizzled with um, chocolate. And they make it at uh, Crim and Nut Company down on Goodale. Where we get, that. you know, we get nuts and peanut butter, and they they've been in business that company since like the late 1800s. Oh, it's magical, man! That that stuff and again, small bowl because if not, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so important to try to ration portion things and stuff. So I'm guessing you probably do not eat fast food. Do you eat fast food? I don't eat fast food really. You know, if I'm in LA, I'll go to In and Out you know, sort of legendary burger place out there that, you know, ends up with these giant ridiculous lines. And, but, uh, you know, sort of in terms of anything that would be considered traditional fast food at this point, I I can't, it's like, uh, you know, eating really good food uh, at our restaurants and, and 
you know, the, uh, the way I've been eating for a long time, it's, it, it would be hard for me to do it. And for my body not to ask me what in the heck's wrong with me. That's fair. I'm, I'm actually team Shake Shack in the In-N-Out Shake Shack thing. I think In-N-Out is just beloved because it's, it's mainly only on the West coast. I feel like it has a little bit of a mystique and yeah. their fry, their fries. I, I they, they, they got to figure out their fry program, man. If it's not junkie it's, style or what is it? Monster style or whatever. Monster else. style. Yeah. If it's not monster style, or animal, animal style, animal style. Yeah, yeah. I'm passing. If it's not animal style, I'm passing. So do you have any, do you have any stories with food that maybe inspired you, whether it be an employee that overcame adversity? One, there are, there are a couple of things that come to mind and the second one's not inspirational, but it's, it, it's, um, was meaningful to me in terms of just learning to cook. But the, the, the first one that I get excited about, and this would have, I think been around the time you were probably working, working at third where Darren Greaves found a local farmer who now runs Tilly Farmstead is the name of her farm. And I'm going to struggle to remember her first name, but she basically had just started her farm and was growing heirloom tomatoes. And so it was heirloom season and she brought us heirloom tomatoes. And I happened to answer the door and took the, you know, whatever, you know, four or five cases of heirloom tomatoes from her. And I was like, well, is there, is there an invoice for me to sign? Her name's Becky. And she goes, she's like, uh, hold on. And she goes back to her truck, rips off a piece of a cardboard box, <laughs> like, like rummages around in her truck, finds a crayon and writes out this invoice. Cause her business was so new that she hadn't even gone to like Staples to get the sort of like, you know, pre-printed invoices and wrote out that invoice and her heirloom tomatoes were exquisite. I mean, Right. She really knows what she's doing and, and how to you know, get the most, you know, from these tomatoes and, and the soil. She now has a working farm that we do a lot of business with and people working for her and her. And, you know, she you know, met a guy and they got married and she's become legendary in our company. And we do farm visits with newer managers or people in the hourly team that want to go and either either plant or harvest at a real working organic farm so they can really you know see where the food comes from and be around the people who are producing this food that we get to use to make our guests happy and, and help to move our business forward it's just I, I love that because I think that it it's it shows that all of these decisions that we make as a business have helped her to create this opportunity because we have guests who are excited to try these things that we're offering and we can only offer them because of people like her yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's really, really a cool thing. And she's also legendary because, you know, people have told me that, you know, their, their house that I think she like plumbed herself uh, <laughs> at this, you know, working farm that, that she's created. And so people go out there and they learn about what she's doing at her house and they see her out in the field. And then, you know, before they leave, apparently she's like baking pies. And so like, awesome. there are all these people in our company that, you know, have really grown to hold Becky in really high regard and esteem. And there are all sorts of uh, man crushes and girl crushes on her because she's just so amazing. Shout out Becky. Yeah, oh. shout out Becky at Tilly. <laughs> um, you know, and then, and then the other thing, you know, going back to when I worked with my last company and we would do family meal and the managers would be responsible for a cooking family meal. And I'd been into cooking for a long time, but it never, re like not sort of, um, I guess, as, as intensely as I am now and don't understand it as well as I do now. And so I'd make somebody, you know, something that wasn't a crazy complicated dish. And I'd be, I'd be trying to figure out how much garlic or how much basil to put into this. 
and there was a guy who's the saute cook. His name was Juan Marone. And so I was, and I was always nervous because it's so important to me that whatever I produce, that people love it and they get excited <laughs> about it. And I was like always so, um, you know, just so into wanting it to be something I could be proud of and that people would really enjoy. And I, you know, I'd be chopping garlic and I'd look at Juan and I'd be like, more? And every time, no matter what, he'd look at me and go, it's only flavor, Papa. Yes. <laughs> Is that too much basil? Basil Juan? Do you think that's too much? And he's like, Papa, it's only flavor. And so <laughs> now I'd be, because of that, his coaching, and he was a fantastic cook, I'd become one of those, one of those people. And I remember seeing this meme where somebody, you know, on, on Twitter or something that said, you know, the recipe calls for, and there was like a picture of like three cloves of garlic. And then the next picture said me, and it was like 14 cloves of garlic. <laughs> like that's, I think because of his coaching and his advice, I've become like, yeah, what is it, what is it gonna be? Too delicious? No, I'm, I'm right. gonna keep going for it, man. Dude, I'm with you. And it's so funny, like, I'm not a very good cook. Like I'm not very experimental. I'm super, super amateur novice cook, but when I, I go to a recipe and then I church it up, like exactly what you said, like if it says two, I'll add five, like whatever. But my sister is like very rigid and everything has to be perfect. Like she's like scraping off the flour, off the flour cup, like everything's so precise. I'm like, Emily, it doesn't matter, dude. Like just YOLO, just do what you want. Like it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, and it is. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the best cooks in the world are, I think, doing it uh, the way you're talking about, right? A lot of it is by yeah. feel and just, you know, eyeing it by taste. Yeah, I'm trying to work on uh, refining my palate. I had Roger Moo King on recently of Man Fire Food, and he gave me a great tip. He said, if you shut your eyes while you chew, you focus more on the flavors and stuff. Do you have any tips on refining a palate? I always joke to people that I have the palate of a child, partially because <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think I'm a fantastic taster necessarily. Um, but I, you know, I think that just you know, just by making things from scratch and choosing fantastic ingredients, you know, to the extent that you're able to, you know, would be my advice. You know, I think uh, the, yeah, the closing your eyes thing is super interesting, super yeah. interesting because I and, and like I'm a big wine lover, and uh, you know, I think trying to just really be, um, I guess, intentional when you're tasting food and and figuring out a way to sort of shut out some of the distractions and you know, some of the other things that are going on in the moment, you know, just can help you better connect with what you're actually eating and taste it. But I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not one of those people when I, I mean, I can pick up some stuff when I'm drinking wine, but uh, I am, I am no expert taster by any, uh, any stretch of imagination. <laughs> I found if you just say it confidently, people believe you. And also they can't prove you wrong. If I say I taste dried cranberry, it's dried cranberry. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, one of my, I don't know if you remember this, one of my favorite things to do when I'm tasting wine at the restaurants would, would, is just to sort of be goofy with that, right? And do the whole swirl and the pinky thing and then taste it and then say, you know, is anybody else getting, I'm really getting like a hint of burnt leather. And I don't mean domestic leather. I'm talking about something Italian, you know, like, but say it with a straight face and, you know, so you can funny. tell some people are like, yeah, sure, burnt leather. Yeah, whatever. Like, is anybody, you know, is anybody else... Fresh you know, cut garden hose. <laughs> yeah, is, any, yeah is, any, is anybody else getting sage? Am I the only one? Because I can't, and, and I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not getting it, but to pretend to amuses me. Same. I'm with you, man. And so this one is kind of a curveball, but I would love to get your opinion on this. Uh, when I worked in Times Square, a lot of times customers would order water, but they would squirt Mio, like a little flavoring thing into the thing. And we charged them for a soda because there's no free lunch in New York. Do you think oh, that's, wow. do you think that's unethical of a customer to squirt Mio into their tap water? I do not. You don't? You think I it's fine? Not. No, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, 
You know, I uh, one, one of our philosophical um, uh, beliefs is that guests can't feel like we're shaking them down for extra money when they come in. And I think, right, if we think about why we use the word guest and we don't say customers, it's because we really want people to feel like we're inviting them into our home. And so, right, if Danielle and the kids and I had you, you know, and a uh, girlfriend over for dinner, right, if you think about how I'm going to treat you, we really should be doing it the same way when we're in the restaurants. And it's like, you know, it's not costing me anymore if you squirt some some meal into your water and you like barely flavored water, it's fine. I mean, yeah, I wish you'd, I wish you'd order a soda, but uh, you don't. I mean, I, you know, like in, in the cafes, right? The soda fountain's right there and the iced tea thing's right there and the water glasses are right there. And people, you know, they'll walk up, take their water glass, get some free soda. I wish they wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. If my kids did that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Go put that back. Right. Not okay. But ultimately, right, we're just there to take care of people. And, you know, I think if we're doing doing a really good job in terms of uh, our financial outcome, we'll be fine. I feel like it's a slippery slope. Like, what if they bring in a 24 ounce of beer or they bring in their own wine? Like, is there a corkage fee or is it just like above and beyond always? Like, Oh, corkage fee. I'm so glad you brought that up. Man, that's like, that, that was one of the things I was like, I wonder if we'll get a chance to talk about that, you know, because being from LA and then living in Florida, Corkage in, in, in New York, right? Corkage is a normal thing. And I, you know, it was rare that I would go out to dinner with my wife in either place and not just take a bottle of wine and they'd charge me whatever they felt was appropriate to charge me and they'd open my bottle and pour it for me. And there's some arcane law in the books in Ohio that makes that illegal where yeah. you can't do it. Yeah. And there, there are a handful of restaurants in town that I know do it or have done it, but it's illegal to do it. And it's so goofy to me. And I'm, I'm sure it's like a tax thing, you know, where they want the tax revenue or something, but. Probably. And it's so funny, like, at least in my experience, most customers would bring in like an average bottle of wine, like it'd be like a $50 bottle of wine. And I'm like, if you're paying a $30 corkage fee, you got to splurge, man, like five hundo or something like. Oh, there were times where I, could, I can remember the my first GM job was like restaurant I was running in Sacramento. And we didn't that company. I, and I don't know if they do now, but they didn't charge a corkage. And because, you know, it was sort of that philosophy, we're like, we're going to make money, it'll be fine. And it's sort of a nice perk for guests who hopefully don't take advantage. And a six top came in one night with like four bottles of Charles Shaw, two buck Chuck from Trader Joe's. And they were like, at the time, they would have been like literally five bucks a bottle or something like that, I think with actual price. And it's like, come on, man, <laughs> right. come on. You're um, eating this food with that wine. Yeah, exactly. And so Damon, I'm sure, you know, North Star, Third and Hollywood, Brasco, those are probably your top three favorite restaurants, but Besides those, do you have a top three Columbus restaurants that you recommend? I don't know if I can give you three, but because okay. uh, if I if I give you three, third's got to be on the list. Um, I can tell you, you know, one one restaurant that has become a huge favorite of my family's is Ju Tai on Bethel, which is uh, it's a, a Chinese restaurant, and man, it is like, and you know, since the pandemic started, they've done no dine in, and they're you know the setup is I mean it's you know, the, you know we're big on our environments and just what the restaurant feels like and, and the materials we choose and the music and the lighting. And there, they're more about the food, right? It's, it's not about the environment for them, but the food is fantastic. Really, really delicious. And I know whenever I uh, bring, you know, uh, I'm running out and come home with it, my kids and my wife are all like super, super excited about it. Uh, so yeah, that would be one. And, you know, and it's sort of hard because a lot of times when we go out, right, it's sort of my job to eat at our restaurants and it's, you know, 
uh, it's also a perk of the job that I get to do it, um, get to do it for free. So it's, you know, the draw is, is, uh, really That's great. That's hard to beat. Top notch. Yeah, it's hard to beat. And, you know, and having, you know, our, our, our youngest, uh, kids are 12 now. And with Sophia being 15, we can actually go out on dates and they can hang out at home for a bit. But for the longest time, you know, because we didn't really have family in town doing that was sort of hard. So we haven't done a lot, but one of the places that Danielle and I really like is Basi Italia. And I can remember the first time we went there because it's right. It's like this old converted house. And she and I, we lived in LA. One of our favorite things to do was travel to San Francisco. And we did it a bunch of times. And we walked in and we were both like, whoa, this feels right. like we're in San Francisco. Like there was something about, well, I mean, it is, right? There are a bunch of old houses that are converted into restaurants, but also just the feeling, the intimacy of it, you know, how small the room was, the kitchen, how close you were to other guests, just the way it felt really evoked uh, that sort of feeling. But also, you know, their, their you know, food was just fresh and delicious. I can still remember um, this uh, zucchini appetizer that they do. And I think they've done it multiple ways. That it's this very, very simple thing um, with what I think is like a veggie broth and uh, sort of barely cooked zucchini that's still got a little bit of a crunch to it. I love just an al dente. So veg. <laughs> Say it again. You love oh, al dente I, just, I love al dente vegetables. Yeah. I don't like it mush. Like, come on. No, no, yeah. And like, it's like just like striking the right balance between, you know, just enough texture, but not so much that uh, um, you're getting sort of the raw vegetable flavor from it. Really incredible. So yeah, I would, I would throw those two out there and then, and then third. And for us also, I mean, we cook at home a lot, right? I'm off today, off tomorrow, and I've already got my menu planned for both nights. Nice. And, then, uh, and Danielle cooks for the kids typically at least four nights a week. So now do you run a tight ship with your kids? Like growing up, for example, my mom, whatever she made for dinner is what I was having for dinner. Like there wasn't options. Like, are you chill with your kids or do you like, this is what we're having tonight? Oh, uh, it's pretty much this. This is what we're having tonight. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, there, there have been, you know, there have been some you know, rare instances where they might be like, well, I'm not that into it, but the kids are pretty good eaters. Um, we, we really, uh, Natalie, who's a 12 year old, she's become a little picky, but uh, her brother, Gavin, who's like, is a super skinny 12 year old, eats shocking volumes of food, but also is like, you know, we'll eat pretty much everything we put in front of them. And so, and I, you know, I think be, because of how we cook, it's typically, it's pretty good food. And so, um, yeah, they're not, they're not usually doing that. You know, one of my favorite things to joke about with the kids, right? I'm like, I'm going to make uh, homemade pappardelle tomorrow with this slow cooked uh, pork ragu that, you know, you start with chunks of pork shoulder and, you know, and fresh herbs and tomato and wine. And it's like an hour and a half to cook it. And, uh, you know, it'd be a Tuesday and I'll look over at Sophia who typically sits to the left of me and, and say, you know, do you, you know, I, I won't say any of our neighbor's names, but if you were one of our neighbors, I'd be like, think the O'Connell's are eating like this on a Tuesday, Sophia? I think there's any chance the O'Connell's are eating a meal like this on a Tuesday. And so it's sort of become a running joke. And <laughs> then, so uh, yeah. And then I ask her what she thinks of it. And, and uh, because she's sarcastic, right? She uh, looks at me and she's like, it's pretty good. Like that's all she'll, that's, that's as good as it gets. I love that. So yeah. Damon, I asked you everything I wanted to ask you, but I always tell my guests, if there's something I didn't bring up or something you're dying to talk about, now's your time to shine. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's anything I'm dying to talk about. I mean, I, you know, because it's your podcast, I, I do want to tell people that uh, you were you were a delightful guy to work with and to have on our team. And I would I feel fortunate that you were there when you were there. Um, and I and I still can remember, you know, many, many guests like 
flagging me down after you took care of them and just raving about just the service and th their connection with you and your personality and how special you made their experience. And so, you know, I just want to tell you, I'm grateful for that. Thank really you so much, man. And I was so happy you were going to do my podcast because you're an amazing person and a great manager. And I feel like you were a hard ass, but fair. And you were never like condescending and like restaurants can be very toxic work environments, but you were never that like, you were always so down to earth, honest and great. So I, I appreciate you a lot. And I, I love your company. Well, thanks for saying that, Anthony. It means a lot, man. It means a lot. We're working really hard at it. And uh, yeah, hopefully there are more people that work there that feel like you do than not. Awesome. All right, man. Well, have a great rest of the day. Yeah, thanks. You too. Hopefully I'll see you around. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Hey, so that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to tell a friend, share it on social media, give us a five-star review if you haven't. It really helps out a lot. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. You rule. You crush it. Have a great day. Thanks.